0: This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Thank you so much for being here today, everybody. As you can tell, my friends, I have lost my voice, but the show must go on. (laughs) This week, I attended FinCon, which is a financial conference for folks that are in money and media. And since I fancy myself a podcaster nowadays, I decided to attend to see what it's all about. And man, I I really came away with some excellent, excellent advice, excellent nuggets to improve this podcast and give you all a better experience. So I did lose my voice, but I gained a lot of knowledge, I guess we'll say. So, <laughs> I had uh, I had some great conversations. There were seventeen hundred people here. What an incredible group of folks! Very kind, warm, and open, and uh, probably got to chat with at least a hundred of them. And one one individual conversation that I had that I was able to get a microphone in front of was with Erin Lowry. She's the author of Broke Millennial, and Erin and I had a chance to chat about a couple different topics, but today on the show, we are focusing on getting financially naked with your partner. That sounds a little off for a family show, doesn't it, Andy? Uh, (laughs) But really, this is all about being transparent with your partner as you are starting to approach the, you know, the big chat, the big Are we going to get married, chat? And with that, you know, you talk a lot about a lot of things like uh, religion and sex and in-laws and how close are we going to live to family. But you also need to be thinking about this uh, big conversation about money and you know, what's going on in your life before you guys got together and how are you going to make it work together? So without further delay, let's jump into the conversation with Aaron Lowry and get financially naked and learn how we can have that great discussion that'll lead to a great marriage. Live from FinCon 2017 in Dallas, Texas. This is the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast. We have an excellent guest today, Aaron Lowry. How's it going, Aaron? It's going great, and it's early. How it are you? It is, and I'm talking <laughs> way too loud for 8 a.m. I'm very sorry about that. It's okay. It's okay. I'll be your coffee.
1: All right, great. Let's get this energy level up.
0: Sounds good. Let's do it. Uh, Aaron, you have a new book called Broke Millennial. Tell yes. us what that's all about.
1: It is the ultimate guy to go from flat broke to financial. I don't know if we can swear on this podcast. Go for it. Badass. There you go. Yes. Is that swearing? I don't know. Some people badass. are really kind of iffy about certain words. I just kind of
0: I just kind of bleep left and right on okay, the great. podcast just in case. Okay. I really perfect. don't know all the rules with iTunes, but we'll find out.
1: Yeah, you could put maybe the big I'll get e booted. next to my episode. There, you go. there we go. There you go. Mm.
0: That makes it badass. True. See, I just I just joined ah, you.
1: Yes. <laughs> So it's the the ultimate guide for any broke millennial, and it's a step-by-step journey. Starts very basic and gets into some more of the heavy issues later on in the book. Mm -hmm. And the point of it, uh, my little joke about it, is it's something you could take to the bathroom and learn something, because each chapter stands on its own. So no matter where you are in your financial journey, there is something for you
0: in that book. I like how you broke it up. I actually had a chance to go through the book on the plane ride here, flew through it, and I liked your your alternative look to not reading it from Chapter 1 through Chapter uh, 17. How many were there? 18. 18. There you go. I was 18, close. 18? Yeah. So I, did, I I took advantage of that. I bounced around. I learned a lot. Um, but it was a very great read and exciting. And I know that from what I've heard, you're really influencing a lot of millennials right now to make some changes in their lives. Have you heard from individuals who've read your book that have said, I'm making a change or do do they just want to go back to Snapchat and leave it all alone?
1: I've had some really great feedback. It actually started with my editors when I sent in my initial book proposal. Both of the editors emailed me like, I have initiated this change already in my financial Mm -hmm. life. A big one for people is switching banks. So a lot of folks were at banks that were giving them 0.01 yep. percent, and they've already switched over to something that gives 1 percent, or maybe they used to get hit with overdraft fees, and they switched to someone that was a little more friendly. So at least if they got an overdraft fee, it wasn't three or four in a day. So those are definitely some like upfront, immediate things that people made changes on. Cool. And then there are a lot of people who started to budget, or if not, set up a strict budget. At least start thinking about cash flow, which is what I uh, rebranded budgeting to be. Cash flow is a
0: sexier word than yes. budget.
1: Much- <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you know what? Everyone hates the B word. Let's go with cash flow.
0: Nice. Now that makes a lot of sense. And you you started to talk about banks there. Uh, We're lucky enough to have our booth today sponsored by Ally Bank that provides a more decent interest rate, isn't it?
1: They do. They're actually one of the big ones that I talk about in the book and use personally.
0: I do too. So not only are we just, you know, propping up our sponsor here, but we actually are members of Ally Bank. So Um, so how did you... Get interested in personal finance. How did you jump into that?
1: Oh man, how much time do we have? <laughs> so the the origin story that I actually opened the book up with this story is that when I was a little girl, my parents weren't very big on handing us money. Mm-hmm. If you wanted something, you had to figure out how to earn money. But at seven, you have very limited employment opportunities. So my mom was having a yard sale, and I had the strategy that if I set up my little Fisher Price table and sold Krispy Kreme donuts to the people coming to haggle over Abs of Steel videos, this was the 90s, then I was going to be able to make a lot of money. So I asked my dad if he would stake me, because I didn't have enough money to actually go and buy the Krispy Kreme donuts, and I also didn't have a card to get myself there. How old were you again? I was seven. Seven, okay. And my little sister was four. So my dad went and got the donuts, and I got my little sister to help me out for a little bit until I lost her attention. And I sold out the donuts pretty quickly. So I'm sitting there looking at this pile and pile of quarters and thinking I'm flushed with cash. My dad comes over, and he goes, All right, but... Kaylin worked for you for a little bit, and then I actually bought the donuts. So if you have $20 here, it's $8 for the donuts, $2 for your sister. So your net profit is $10. And this wasn't just a like, that's what it would be scenario. He actually took the money out of my hands. And that was my first little lesson about money. I like dad. Yeah, me too. But from then on, it was kind of Lowry family school of hard knocks about finances. And we had very real world experiences when it came to money, all the way through having to help pay for for college. 50% of college had to be paid for out of our pockets. So, you know, go get your scholarships or figure out loans, whatever it was going to be. My sister and I were both fortunate enough to get scholarships to go to college. And we picked the colleges where we got scholarships. So, I mean, it was very, very early lessons teaching me about money. So it was never something I was afraid of. And that's really the message that I try to get out in the book. It's either you control your money or your money controls you. That's I'm great. trying to get you to control your money.
0: I love it. So thanks mom and dad. Right? Yes,
1: absolutely. Very
0: cool. So you graduated from that college, then you went off to New York, yes. right? And started to live your life. And at what point did you decide, hey, I'm gonna, I'm going to blog about this?
1: I started shortly after I survived living in New York City on $23,000 without going into debt. Mm. And around.
0: That's a Herculean task.
1: Yeah, it was really fun. (sighs) I lived off of a lot of uh, Starbucks bistro boxes because I was working there at the time, and anything that was quote unquote expired, as in they were taking it off the shelf, but it was still safe to eat. I would take home and put in my freezer as long as it's edible. So sodium did not explode my heart, thankfully, (laughs) at that point in my life. But afterwards, uh, I moved into PR for a period of time, and I went from making twenty-three thousand dollars to thirty-seven thousand five hundred dollars, and I thought I was rich.
0: Absolutely, great
1: experience there for about six months until a little bit, a tiny bit of lifestyle inflation that I was allowed to have crept in, and I'm like, you know, this is not a lot of money. But I still knew how to handle it yeah. and I was having a lot of friends who were in that similar phase of life where even friends who came from very comfortable backgrounds and a lot of privilege were very like confused and frustrated huh. when it came to their money. And I was out to drinks one night with a girlfriend of mine and we were at a coffee shop at about two o'clock in the morning having a chat and she just hated her job. Mm. And she had moved to New York to be an actress, classic story. I said, I don't really understand. We're 23 at the time we were, and you don't have kids, you don't have student loans. Your parents could bail you out, worst case scenario. So why aren't you in a position to just go try it and then nanny, waitress, do what you got to do to make ends meet? And if you find yourself in a deep pickle, Mm -hmm. you're fortunate enough that mom and dad can and would help you. Right? She goes, I don't know, money just really stresses me out. And Mm. that was really my light bulb moment. This is someone who came from a great financial background, parents paid college in full, and money still was such a stressful point for her that she wasn't pursuing her dream and that's really what inspired me to start going home and writing Broke Millennial.
0: That's great. And then
1: I started asking around and asking friends and cousins in my age group, you know, what's your relationship to money? And by and large, people did not want to talk
0: about it. They don't want to talk about it.
1: No, and that's part of the reason my format is very storytelling, which you can even tell from me talking to you right now. I try to hook people with stories. That's good. Because it it brings them in and then tricks them into learning about personal finance.
0: Very cool. And you cover a lot of these topics um, that we're talking about right now, as well as a multitude of other topics to help millennials or really anybody uh, get a hold of their money. And uh, one topic I wanted to dive into today because we don't have oodles of time. I'd love to spend a couple hours with you, but really we've got a short period of time today, Um, is the dreaded money talk that you'd have with somebody that you've become very close to almost marrying, you know, you almost to that engagement point or somebody that you're really ready to commit with. Uh, since my show is called Marriage, Kids, and Money, as we head into that marriage, there are there are important things that we need to know and and learn about our, our partner before we make this major commitment. I'm seven years into my marriage and uh, I love my wife deeply and we had some of these chats, but maybe not as in depth as you've gone in the book. So I wanted to go Uh, through some of those things with you. You use the term getting financially naked with your partner. What does that mean?
1: So it's the process of bearing it all to your significant other. And I like to include positive things as well. So it's not just debt, it's not just the scary stuff, but also sharing your goals, your dreams, what you think money can do for you, possibly how much net worth you want to have at certain periods of time. And that's a great way to start the conversation is starting it with the positives. Asking something as simple as, what's a goal financially that you have in the next five years? And from that information, you can usually work your way backwards into the big, how much debt do you have question. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times the answer could either be, I want to be debt free or I want to have amassed X amount of wealth in that period of time. And then you can just say something as simple as, what's standing in your way? Mm -hmm. I will warn people that the getting financially naked process is not a one-and-done situation, especially because a lot of people don't want to share debt burden numbers right up top. Particularly in my case, my now fiance has student loan debt and I have no debt. I never have carried debt and he knows that. So when we first started having this conversation, it was very vulnerable for him. Yeah. So I offered to share my net worth because that's something that I hold very dear. I don't share it with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a bragging thing. It was a, here's an intimate piece of knowledge that I'm giving you as well. Right. And to this day, we've been together dating. We've been dating for seven years. So Congratulations. look at that great number. And we know, I mean, we started having this conversation about four years ago, and even though I have a very our money mentality about marriage, it's something we've already started talking about, he will still say, yeah, but that's your money that you earned. Sure. I'm like, yeah, it is right now, but as soon as we say I do, your money impacts me and my money impacts you. This is something that we need to be a team about. Sure. And that's the mentality that I just generally have about finances in a marriage. Not everybody feels that way.
0: Well... It's a, it's a good way to be transparent and open yourself up because that's exactly what you're doing in marriage. You're, I mean, everything from health to, to religion, to sex, to, you know, uh, in-laws. Uh, you need to know all this stuff before you get into marriage. It's very important.
1: Absolutely. And with so <laughs> many people, I mean, marriage is hard from what I understand with all of my expertise, but it's a long time. You're committing your yeah. life to somebody else. Life is long, hopefully. and. So to be bringing in a stress factor or withholding important information and just hoping it plays out well is not a great indicator yeah. that early on. So to me, to, to think about marrying someone and finding out within the first year or so that that person had massive amounts of credit card debt or student loan debt wouldn't necessarily make me question the marriage, but it would make me lose a little bit of trust. Sure in the beginning. And that's part of the reason it's so important to talk early on is yep. so that you can start building a strategy together. You can have an idea of what you're getting yourself into. It's essentially a contract at the end of the day. Absolutely. You want to go into this contract
0: knowing full well all of the details of what's going to be going on. That's the businesswoman in you. I like it's it. True. So let's help people walk through the steps. I, you talk about the 101 and the 201 in yeah. your book. Very college class-esque. So walk us through the syllabus, Professor Lowry.
1: Well, I would start 101 just having a very basic conversation. Like I said, asking about goals is a very helpful way to get it started. So where do you see yourself financially in five years? What does retirement look like to you? You know, career-wise, where are you going? And kind of having a good idea of what your earning potential is in your career. Things can shift so fast. You can completely call a 180 and change your career. You never know quite how much, but it's good to be upfront about that. So just having those basic conversations then, you're going to level up when you want to disclose exact numbers about what the debt is, what the interest rates are, what the current payment plan is, how long it's going to take you to get out of debt. Like I said, this needs to be an evolving conversation, especially if your partner starts to get really tense and stressed Mm. going through this back off take a break, come back to it later. Unless you're up against the wall for some sort of reason, like maybe you haven't had this conversation, you're getting married in a week, then you need to rip the bandaid off quickly. But otherwise, let it breathe. Let it let it come out kind of naturally, and so it's not a, a tense and stressful conversation. Right. I'd always like to, if people are in a happy frame of mind, instead of like being in the middle of a fight and then hearing something that sort of triggers <laughs> something in your head and then going for the jugular. Yeah, you know, have it be a, a really calm, peaceful time that it's happening, and do it in private at home. Don't be like out on a date and all this. And be like, so uh, student loan debt? How much do you have? Yeah, that feels like a very vulnerable situation as well.
0: Hey, everybody! Just jumping out for a quick break. Just to let you know that this show is supported by Bluehost, if you are interested in starting a blog like Aaron Lowry did and had some pretty massive success, you're going to need a hosting service to support you. When I got my start, I used Bluehost. They made the process super simple and super easy. If you use the link marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Bluehost, you will get half off your monthly hosting cost and you'll be supporting this show. Thanks for considering it, everyone. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Bluehost. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, Let's get back to our chat with Aaron Lowry from Broke Millennial. For the for the people who are hearing this, they're maybe getting close to considering engagement, um, and they're thinking, I just, I just can't do that. That's too stressful, and I don't want to harm the relationship on, on the trajectory that it's on right now. Tell them why it's so important to do this.
1: It shouldn't be a harmful thing. First of all, this should always be a positive, ultimately positive conversation in the beginning, there are going to be moments that are tense. I mean, I write about money for a living and we definitely have tense moments when it comes to talking about finances because it's It's intimate, and it's something that people hold a lot of baggage about, have a lot of guilt about. They might feel that, you know, you have far superior knowledge, so therefore they feel intimidated by you or whatever it is. That's why people often hide things. They're embarrassed. So it's making sure it's a safe space where your partner doesn't feel embarrassed, or if he or she does, you back off and come back to it later. And I guess the other thing is you're just trying to, like, Figure out how to dive into this appropriately. Don't pick
0: around it, just go for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, if you're about to get engaged, you need to know everything there is to know about that person. As somebody who got engaged about six weeks ago and went whole hog into wedding planning you really You got fast, engaged six weeks ago? Yeah,
0: Congratulations, Thank you. that's awesome.
1: But I didn't want to be planning the wedding for a super long period of time, so it's almost all done. Yeah, nice. And for people, especially people who do something similar, for the love of God, you don't wanna be that far along into the process and then find out this piece yes. of information. And
0: Yeah, but let's talk about those dangers. Like what, what, what are the dangers of not having this conversation?
1: Well, the dangers of not having this conversation is one, getting into a marriage and finding out that something's been hidden, which again, like I said earlier, is gonna cause yeah. you to break a little bit of trust. The other thing too is if you have certain financial goals in your head and you think you're well on your way and then all of a sudden it turns out that this person is going to be preventing you from getting there for whatever reason, that's going to be really emotional and stressful. Absolutely. And you don't want to be blaming your partner for something like that. You want to be creating a strategy together. So I would say if you're on your way to getting engaged, first, you should be having a conversation about that. I always think it's funny. People are like, were you shocked? And I said, the proposal itself was a shock. We are really ready to get married. We yeah. have talked a lot about this. We're at that point. So I would hope... That if that's a natural progression of your conversation as a couple, money has also been a natural progression of your
0: conversation as yeah. a couple so your uh, your fiance is obviously I guess used to being in the spot spotlight at this point <laughs> yeah. now, so maybe we can since since he's put himself out there, can we just talk a little bit about how those conversations went with you guys? what you said you know maybe take it a little slow in the beginning, make it positive. How did, how did some of those individual conversations go to where you now are with your engagement?
1: So we are now so brutally honest about everything. I think it's very bizarre to people. <laughs> and I will just, you know, I have no filter when it comes to him about what I say, but he knows who I am and he knows how I think. So it's not, it's, it's never cruel in his mind. Yeah. I think it's just, no, she's just honest about this stuff. But I knew, I had an inkling very early on in our relationship that he had student loan debt and I couldn't even tell you what was said. I just remember thinking, okay, that probably means you've got some debt. And when we first had this conversation, um, he didn't know how much there was. Mm. Because I remember asking, I said, you know, and, and part of what made it easy for us to have this conversation, we've been dating since we were undergrads in college, and he was going on to get a master's degree. And he was trying very hard to cash flow that master's degree so he was living at home, working full time, and getting his master's. And I was incredibly proud of him for doing that. But it also then made me say, so if, if you're working so hard to make sure that that's happening, what's already on the table in sure. terms of a debt load? And I asked him, I said, so how much student loan debt do you have? And he gave me a guest number and he didn't tell me he was guessing at the time, mm-hmm. but that's how much he thought he had.
0: Yeah.
1: Turns out he talked to his parents later, got access to the login information to go <laughs> in and see it. So every time we had the conversation over a period of about six months, I noticed the number kept increasing a little bit. And I was like, this isn't like interest rate increasing. This is like something else yeah. is up. So finally I said, how much debt do you actually have? Because mm. every time we talk about this, I feel like it ekes up by another like five grand. Yeah. And we're we're not that far apart in this conversation that interest has just crushed your loans. So we finally had a and I don't disclose his number per his request. That's but okay. We did have a very honest conversation and I'll admit it was a little bit tense at first because yeah. I felt a little bit lied to. Sure. Just in the sense, and he goes I didn't know but I kept kind of guessing. And then when I found out, I felt bad that it was a lot more than I originally told you. So I kind of kept pushing it up towards what that number was and having that sort of a version of this conversation at the very beginning where he felt embarrassed yeah. is what made me say, okay, listen, moving forward, we can never do that again. It always has to be a brutally honest conversation. That's
0: good. That's good. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to join your fiance and my financial immaturity are uh, in my mid twenties. I, I, decided that it was a good idea for me to go back for my MBA and just because I thought well I'm making whatever when I was making $28,000 out of college and I said well surely I just need to go back to get some more school and then they'll give me more money so I went back took a lot I was I was blessed that my parents helped me pay for my undergrad but then for my my MBA I took a lot of loans and for me it was just kinda like Rain and candy, man. It was like, oh, unsubsidized, subsidized, sounds great, no big deal. I even paid for my wife's engagement ring with my student loans. So this is this this conversation hits home for me. And at that point, when we started to get together, it took the 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 wise counsel and um, I guess smart advice from my fiance at the time to look into it a little further, make some changes, prepare for being a good husband, a provider for the family, a good father in the future, and really clean up that mess. So that, that engagement ring, um, I love it. <laughs> but I look at it sometimes and I'm like, man, that was not a good move. Obviously we quickly uh, cleaned it up together working as a couple, and that's the great thing when you guys get together, double income, no kids, mm-hmm you know it can clean up real fast i mean the the student loan crisis that we're going through i'm sure this is a common conversation with people right now i mean it's it's some people are paying their student loans up until their retirement, mm-hmm. I mean, this is insane. So this is a common conversation. Are you finding that?
1: Oh, incredibly, and there have been some people I've spoken with who, like me, were proudly debt-free, and I said, "You're debt-free now." Yeah. You never know who you're going to fall in love with, and I actually, so Peach, my fiance, he has a coworker, who recently said to me that her dad told her she can't date anyone with student loan debt. Wow. And I said, well, <laughs> You're that, limiting the pool. That's exactly <laughs> how that I said. I went, Well, that drastically reduced your dating pool options. Yeah. And we got into a conversation about the why. And yeah. it was incredibly interesting because I said, what is his rationale behind telling you you can't? First of all, I don't like that word. You're a grown-up. Sure. So why? what does he have over you? And and he subsidizes her life. So ah. he does have control. Yep. For one. Yeah. Which I said, if I mean, you, you have two choices here. You let your dad dictate your life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or
1: you pivot and be self-sufficient, and therefore he can't tell you who you can and can't date. But I said, what was his reasoning behind telling you this? And she goes, you know, I think it's that he, he thinks that that's a marker of somebody who, you know, isn't necessarily, like, they don't come from the same background or whatever it is. And I said, you don't have to come from the same socioeconomic background. We don't. Yeah. And she goes, well, I have to have a prenup. I went, we're having a prenup. Mm-hmm. I don't think of that as a divorce contract. Right. I think of that as a great way to have financial conversations going into a marriage.
0: Absolutely. Whether or
1: not we even sign it. Think about the conversations we're going to have to have in order to have all of those various clauses in a prenup. Hmm. It's a great way to talk about money ahead of time.
0: Very smart way. And
1: ultimately, I said to her, I was like, listen, you need to know why that student loan debt is there. And it's not necessarily important How much matters a bit, certainly, as a conversation, but what matters is how is he or she handling it now and why did it get there just so you know what behaviors may have been prior to today. I was like, if that's someone that took out debt at 18 years old and he's 30 now and he's completely turned everything around, that's what's important. The transition is important, not the fact that You know, his family either couldn't help him or maybe he just didn't know what the terms meant and signed a piece of paper. And, I mean, so many people have done that.
0: That hits home for me. I I feel like I've changed quite a bit over the past five to ten years. And if my wife's mother told her that she couldn't be with me because of my past mistakes, man, I'd be crushed. But um, well, how early early is too early to have this conversation? We don't want to freak out the, the guy we just went on a date with or the gal we just picked up on Tinder? you know. What, what, how early is too early? <laughs>
1: uh, I always say I wish everybody brought their credit reports on a first date. <laughs> on the first date. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm not going to revolutionize the dating industry. Oh, man. But I, like you mentioned, even at the beginning of this podcast, to me, the right time is when in your mind you realize this is someone that you can spend the rest of your life with yeah. because that person is then impacting your finances for the rest of your life. And whether or not you end up with that person forever, it's a good process to go through getting financially naked and going through that process might be what deters you from spending your lives together. Not because he or she has debt, but maybe because how he or she either handles money or talks about money. If you can't have these conversations, it's a really big red
0: flag moving forward because what else is it going to be hard to talk about? Yeah. Well, I I really like this conversation, Aaron. Uh, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions before we finish up here. You're a big financial success. I'm really glad to be talking to you. Congratulations on your book. Thank you. Were there there, um, books or resources that you used um, as you were getting out of college that kind of got you on this track, that motivated you? Sure.
1: Book-wise, I loved Personal Finance for Dummies in your 20s. That was a great one, just kind of off the bat. But my big thing, and this isn't just because I'm on one right now, I love podcasts. I consume awesome. podcasts all the time. So if I were graduating college now, that's what my main method of consuming I financial agree. content yeah. would have been. Especially things that make it narrative. Something like a planet money, you know, that's more into the economic side yep. of things, but it's such an interesting storytelling format that. What I always tell people is there is something out there for you. There is a way to learn about money that exists that will resonate with you. So if reading a book didn't work, pivot to try something else. Yep. If a podcast didn't work, pivot to try something else. But something out there will work.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, so we had a good conversation today about having that dreaded chat. What's one action that somebody can take today if they're thinking, wow, I'm, I'm getting kind of close to that serious time with my, with my uh, partner, What's one thing that they can do today to prepare themselves for that conversation?
1: To like go home and tell your partner you want to have that conversation. And you don't have to have it right then and there, but say, hey, you know, I was thinking we should probably talk about our finances.
0: Excellent. That works. That works. So Aaron, where can people find you? Where can people buy this great book, you Broke Millennial? You can buy
1: it wherever books are sold, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, some indie shops. So if you like to shop local, it could be on the shelf. If it's not, request it. And then you can find me on Twitter at Broke Millennial, Instagram at Broke Millennial Blog, and Facebook at Broke Millennial. And Excellent. then BrokeMillennial.com. Just Google Broke Millennial Just and you'll Google find it. me.
0: Just Google it. Why do we, we even ask? Just and Google And millennial it, right? has
1: two ends. I always mess up that spelling. Yeah, so does everybody else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I always get it autocorrected. Uh Well, Aaron, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being on the show. A special thanks to Ally Bank for sponsoring live podcasting at FinCon 2017 in Dallas, Texas. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you for having me. So that was just one of many uh, conversations I was able to have this week with some really inspiring individuals in this community, this personal finance expert community here in Dallas. Aaron's advice on getting financially naked with your partner is, it's excellent. This is something that we need to be doing as we head into a lifelong commitment with somebody. We're having conversations around, you know, religion and health and family, but this is one that could really rock all of those boats if you're not on the same page. So I really enjoyed the chat. I've been married to my lovely wife for seven years. Uh, we did have some of these types of conversations beforehand. A lot of maturing happened as soon as we got together because I, I was able to marry such an incredible woman that uh, you know made me become a better man. So I love you, sweetheart. I'm so excited to come home. I miss the three of you, and I uh, can't wait to give you all a hug. If you miss some of the links and resources mentioned in today's show, I've got you covered. Please go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session fifty four, and they will be there for you guys. So, some of the books that were mentioned by Erin and her book um, at that same link at uh, marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session fifty four. Tell me if you've had this money chat with your spouse, and you know if you had it prior to you guys getting married, and and how it went. Or if you're not quite married yet, if you're thinking about having that big chat with your partner, please let me know. Let me know what your thoughts are around that. Your feedback uh, shared in the group there would be really helpful for a lot of people considering having that chat and also could just be a fun way to keep the conversation going. If you're digging this show, please do me a favor and send a text to two of your friends with the link to the show. Just send them to marriagekidsandmoney.com. It's a pretty easy one to remember. Send it to a couple friends that, you know, they're working hard for their families and they're looking to give them a better life, a better future. That's what I'm all about. And I know if you're listening to the show or if you've continued to listen to the show, that's more than likely what you're all about too. So In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Unknown. I couldn't find the the author of this one, but it's pretty inspiring. Honesty is the highest form of intimacy. Here's to starting off your marriage on the right foot, everybody. Carpe diem.